from Birmingham, Alabama. You're listening to the Flat Picking Pilgrim's Progress. I'm your host, Gary Furr, and I'm so glad to have you with me today. Whether you're sitting in your favorite chair or riding along in the car, I'm glad we're going to get to spend this time together. Pentecost. Pentecost comes 50 days after Passover in the Hebrew calendar, penta meaning 50. It was a festival in ancient Israel when pilgrims came to the city to commemorate the wheat harvest and was connected with the giving of the law in Jesus' day. It was also called the Feast of First Fruits. But in the Christian church, it became the moment when the power of the Holy Spirit descended upon the early disciples and the church was empowered to go into the world and preach the gospel. Pentecost is associated with the dramatic events in Acts 2, in which the miracle of hearing and understanding happened. The disciples spoke in tongues, and those from all over the world who had come to Jerusalem that day understood what they were saying. Pentecost is a time that emphasizes our worldwide mission to preach the gospel and stresses the importance and presence of the Holy Spirit. That Pentecost 2020 would be a time when division and racial hate erupted was only the latest irony of the strangest year of our collective lives. Ground Zero Stop each day to cheer the heroes leaving work to work in dreadful fear. Quarantine fear of each other, loss of all human embrace, alone together. May, June 2020 timeline. May 2020, May 1st, from Michigan to California, gun rights supporters, anti-vaccination activists, and business owners protest coronavirus restrictions. One of the men who brought guns into the Michigan Capitol in late April appears on a live stream from inside. I don't carry my guns for show. I am not afraid to use them, William Null says. In five months, the FBI charges him and a dozen others in a plot to kidnap Whitmer. May 15. President Trump announced his administration's vaccine development program. He dubs it Operation Warp Speed. May 19, 43 states have begun at least some form of reopening, hoping to boost their economies. Seven never had stay-at-home orders. May 24, the virus is surging across rural America, where populations are poorer, older, and more prone to health issues. Rural counties now have some of the highest rates of COVID-19 cases and deaths in the country. May 27, U.S. coronavirus deaths surpass 100,000. The toll goes unmarked by national requiem or collective mourning. May 31st, millions flood streets across the country to protest the killing of George Floyd and police violence against black Americans, sparking fears of a new round of virus outbreaks. June 2020, June 8th, in the West and across the South, more than a dozen states set records for new infections reported. 
Many of these places had avoided the brunt of the pandemic through the spring. In mid-June, new infections began a sharp month-long rise. Unemployment also hits a new level, 13 straight weeks in which more than 1 million people have filed for aid for the first time. June 25. Americans are living through a split-screen pandemic. The country records its highest-ever single-day case count, yet leaders push ahead with reopening. June 26, the governors of Texas and Florida reverse course and shut down bars in their states as infections and hospitalizations soar. The Crucifixion On a street in Minnesota on just another shift, showing his new trainees how to keep the peace, they confront a massive black man, fear in his eyes, who looks for a way to escape. Dying under the knee of the leader, whose leer is frozen for the ages, he is pinned down by the other three. I can't breathe. How plain is that? The three look at one another, unsure. They reprise an ancient rendition of the street theater of the ages, but this time, someone saw. Everyone saw. He cried out to his mother. The wrath of God began to swell into a terrible swift sword that would strike the streets and rip down fraudulent walls pretending to protect us from our own soul shadows. As with every crucifixion, a man calls out to his mother as he dies. Soldiers laugh and curse. Women weep in despair. And governors calculate the collateral damage wet their index fingers and lift them to the sky. A man passing on his way to buy cigarettes sees the commotion, shrugs his shoulders, and passes by on the other side of the street. None of my business, he thinks. He has no idea. From my newsletter column after the killing of George Floyd, I finally ventured out yesterday to buy some new tennis shoes. Wearing a mask, I went to a local store and followed the rules. I was waited on by a sweet and helpful young woman, also in a mask. She happened to be African American. As I was trying on shoes, I asked out of habit, How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. How are you? A typical exchange of pleasantries. Something inside moved me to say, Actually, my heart is broken. That horrible killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis has left me heartsick. And like that, our conversation changed. She opened up, not angry, but surprised that a masked stranger buying tennis shoes would venture the subject, I suppose, but she spoke more frankly as she shared my sadness and a trace of exhaustion. We have to hope and pray things can get better, she said. It didn't last long, but reminded me that we could live on the surfaces and not know anything about what's underneath with each other. Something has blown open this week in the soul of our country. It's not new. It's painful. A wound that gets better for a time but never fully heals. Racism is not only cruel. It is irrational and ultimately brings death and destruction. 
It is far past time to call it out wherever it is and require our corporate life to reflect who we hope to be at our best. Fair for everyone in our society, just in treatment of one another, and fierce to speak out for our neighbor, not just ourselves. In 1996, Alabama experienced a string of church burnings. Our church made a gift to one of the churches, and I drove down to meet with one of the church leaders. Our missions committee donated to them to help rebuild, and I wrote these words then, 24 years ago. I wish they were not still relevant now. I wish I could say, that was then, this is now. I wrote, Racism is a loaded word. When it is spoken, defenses are erected almost immediately. Oh no, some of my best friends are... Some definitions are so sweeping that they cause despair. Often, African Americans and Anglo Americans don't even mean the same thing by the word. Put simply, racism is the irrationally held belief in the inherent superiority of one's own race to all others. Often, it is defined to mean an attitude that only those in power can hold against those without power. I have never doubted in the powerful and pervasive presence of racism if nothing else from simply moving around a lot. If animosity and political scapegoating had only happened in one place, I would not be so suspicious. But racism, unfortunately, is a fact of life, and not only in America. In virtually every society, the deep-seated need to blame others for our own failings and problems is everywhere. Many thoughtful and caring people despair that we can ever overcome our hatreds. Through the years, I have never believed that the difficulties of relationships between people could be solved by analysis, though that's a start. It takes more than naming the problem to solve a problem. It takes deeds. We have not taught the teachings of Jesus vigorously enough. We have not insisted that hatred is incompatible with Christianity. These are not simply African Americans. They are fellow Christians. Let us at least say, stop it. These are our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. No law will stop hatred. No program overcome it. It must begin inside the human heart with the determination that we will live the gospel, speak out clearly, teach it consistently, and embody Christian love to all. Anything less is little better than the silence that has become our all-too-familiar and comfortable pattern. What is required is that we simply follow Jesus, whom we profess, nothing more and nothing less. Unquote. Pentecost is the time that symbolizes the breaking of the barriers. On that day, the birthday of the Christian church, people were gathered in Jerusalem for the Feast of the Harvest in the Jewish faith. What happened was a miracle of understanding as the gospel was preached across ethnic, language, and national barriers. Irony contains great truth. That America could be demonstrating its oldest pain so openly on the day celebrating Christian barrier-breaking contains a word from the Lord for us. Deeds, not words. Reconciliation takes deeds of healing, acts of mercy and justice, fixing broken buildings and broken laws, dressing wounds and changing our minds. 
It is past time. Let Pentecost be a call to the churches of America to repent of all racism and return to the gospel of Jesus alone as its center. Let us live the words of the Apostle Peter in Acts 10, 34, and 35, who said, quote, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him, unquote. The ministry of reconciliation begins in a change of mind and heart. Let us lead the way. My heart is broken, but that is not enough. More is required. This is Pentecost when the wind of God comes from heaven and we might begin anew. A prayer for the world God loves. Still in the throes of the protests and division over the murder of George Floyd as outrage protests, violence and anger broke out everywhere. I prayed this prayer in the church on Sunday, June 7, 2020. Lord, you sent us out into the world to bring it back to you, that you might show it your love and make it new. You chose that we might go out into that world and yet not be of the world in our going. That is the toughest part because a lot of what is wrong with the world is also what is wrong within all of us too. Even as Jesus looked down from the cross and was able to forge family where there was none, bringing his mother and John together, even as the Holy Spirit brought Peter and Cornelius together across culture and suspicion and religious prejudice and made them one in Christ, so too we yearn to see the miracle of the church again, a miracle of Christian community, the miracle of divine fellowship where Forgiveness flourishes and life abounds in belonging. It is the vision to which we aspire and we ask that you help us to cherish and nourish it with our very souls and selves. We pray for humility to remember that you have fashioned us into your people and that apart from you we cannot bear with one another at all. Give us your vision to find those who are already seeking you and always be ready to welcome them and love them and help them and pray for them. And for all the people of the world, give us a breadth of vision and hearts that have windows and not shutters and hands that are open and not closed in fear and distrust and suspicion and minds not bogged down in justifications and excuses. We have seen over the past days in our own country, O oh God, great divisions and brokenness displayed, but it was already there. The wounds were opened, reopened in a terrible event and pitted us against one another at a time when we already have so much to bear. We pray, O oh God, for the spirit of reconciliation, for calm voices, for listening ears, for people eager to make peace for those who will work for justice and make sure that it works for everyone. We pray, loving God, for people of all colors, all ethnicities, to know nothing from your church but our love and our willingness to be the bringers of peace. We pray, dear God, for leaders across our nation, for governors and mayors and our national leaders, for community workers and business people who are struggling to make a go of it. But out of this moment, may there come a great moment of opportunity that we did not see, 
that has called us into a different place and to the possibility that you have offered to us. Rekindle the vision of that which you shared in the scriptures. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and the ministry of reconciliation you gave us. We have not always discharged this faithfully. We ask that we might now be those to whom the world points and says, they are the ones who can help. Be with those who are brokenhearted, those who are sad, those who are angry, those who are broken in spirit. That in each case, the deeper need hidden beneath be touched and healed. The bringers of that vision and hope to the world. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Meanwhile, death and grief were overlaid by the pandemic, heightening the difficulties and sorrow that happens regularly in pastoral ministry. What follows is a song that came to me one day as I was thinking back to the dear, dear people in my ministry who had suffered the loss of a child, and they were many. All unbearable pain that, from my viewpoint, never really ends in this life. One year, there were four different church members who suffered such a loss, the children of different generations, 20s, 30s, even in their 60s, when a mother still living had to witness it. The hook for this song had been on my mind for a few years since reading it in a statement from a survival of a natural disaster who said, it'll be a long way from here to okay, so it bubbled up. Not long after this song, a young man in my church, Tyson Stewart, not long out of high school and getting going in life, died tragically. And this song seemed to me to be for him and all of the other mothers, fathers, grandparents, siblings, and friends and family who walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I recorded it with my music friends and put it on the music album that Mark and I were finishing. From here to OK, June 2020, I was telling my favorite story when I heard a knocking sound. It was my neighbor. He said, you'd best sit down. I never finished that story, and I'll never tell it again. The clock on the wall said 710. I'm lost and so angry. She's just sad all the time. The shadows go with us everywhere. Now and then for a while, we still act like we used to, but we still can't move that empty chair. It'll be a long time before we put it behind us. Please just sit with me, there's nothing to say. Walk with me a while in the Valley of Gray. It's a long way from here to okay. So thank you so kindly for asking about us and for the fine food that you brought. But please take with you the reassuring words you offered. It's not easy answers I sought. Some cope with a bottle and others with a pill. Some sit in a circle and pray for God's will, but nothing on earth fills the hole left inside by a love that was once so alive. It'll be a long time before we put it behind us. Just sit with me, there's nothing to say. Walk with me a while in the valley of gray. It's a long way from here to okay. Communion Prayer, June 24th, 2020 O Lord, a table is the most elemental piece of furniture we know. 
we sit across and beside and with one another, share a meal, a story, hopes. And sometimes it is a place of absence with an empty chair that cannot be filled. But it is a place of meeting, the intersection of a family to whom sooner or later we come in from the world, take off our hats and coats and maybe shoes and draw close to those we love. We are here at this table to remember that, to remember Jesus with the twelve who had walked with him three years on the earth. They had seen and heard and pondered and prayed together, but now they were with him. And so do we long to be with you, O God, and with each other. So if at this moment we are not in a room together, use our imaginations, put our faces and names and friends in our hearts and minds so that in our taking this bread and cup, we would feel less alone, less disconnected, less solitary, and instead encouraged and uplifted. Let this bread be for us, your body, an indissoluble bond, making us one in spirit and truth. And may this cup be a sharing in his sufferings, in a suffering world and one another's sufferings. We remember those in need today, sick, infected, dying, poor, hungry, in trouble. Wherever they are, however it happened, be with them, we pray. Now bless this bread and this cup, and in the sharing of this meal, may our hearts burn with a glimmer of recognition that you are with us. Amen. A Prayer for the Nation, July 4th, 2020. Eternal God, we are thankful as we recall the events of the founding of this nation and the important role Christians played in the great experiment of liberty. We ask that we might have their boldness to stand for principle, their determination to persist in what is right, their charity and tolerance for those with whom they differed, and their wisdom in creating a society in which difference and conviction might abide together. Help us, we pray, neither to worship the state nor be cynics toward it, remembering that you gave us authority to enable us to live together, but that power is given for stewardship, not self-enhancement. We pray for those in leadership in our nation, states, and communities that they would honor the truth and live up to the ideals of a democratic society. We pray for all who carry the burden and stresses of responsibility that their character might endure the tests of time. Show them the values of your kingdom in their own spiritual walk. We pray especially on this day for our Vice President for health and healing as he faces heart problems. Help us to be good citizens. Help us to honor those in authority with our praise and appreciation, surely, but even with our questions and dissent. Help us to be mindful of the enormous price of freedom, both in lives it has cost and in vigilance on our part. Save us from conceding to indifference, apathy, sloth, or hopelessness. Fill us with the passion of conviction and the restraint of justice in our dealings, so that neighbor love might abound toward all. Deliver us from contempt of neighbor and condescension toward those weaker than ourselves, and grant us merciful hearts when forgiveness is necessary. We remember this day those in need among us, the poor, the broken in spirit, the lonely, the sick, and the grief-streaking souls. We pray especially for our own church family, Lord. We have been hard hit with loss in recent weeks. And this week, one of our children, Tyson Stewart, and one of our elders, Betty Longshore, have left us. We pray that they now rest in your merciful grace. 
We mourn the spaces their absences leave and for all of the other hard losses in recent weeks. We know that people everywhere are going through this in the pandemic, and with the strangeness of this moment, the losses feel deeper and more acute. Be merciful to us sinners, Lord, and heal us and heal our land. May we know your tender mercies always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shields of Fear, July 11th, 2020 All of your life, people afraid, bumping into one terror after another, nothing stable, and they looked at you and only saw what was missing. It caused them to overlook all that was there, gifts abounding, keen mind, loving heart, and a good soul. Walls and fences and shields carefully designed by adrenaline, wary of the next enemy. They forget that in keeping what we fear out, we trap the imaginary enemy on the other side permanently, wielding no weapon, only wanting to be welcomed and loved, locked out, trapped in. And so, love waits patiently for someone to unbolt the door and see. I'm Gary Furr, and this is the Flat Picking Pilgrim's Progress. Thanks for joining me today. You can find my music at G-A-F-U-R-R, G-A-F-U-R-R.com, and you can go to my blog site for lots of other information and writings at GaryFur.me, G-A-R-Y-F-U-R-R.me. Once again, thank you so much. Join me next time on the Flat Picking Pilgrim's Progress.